tired. So tired. Overtired. Welcome to Overtired. Uh, I'm Christina Warren. He's Brett Terpstra. I am. And uh, we were just talking before we started recording that we think that this is the first time in the history of the, I don't know, like five or six years of Overtired's existence that we are recording an episode early at my request. And as a result, it's one of the few times we've ever not at least had a bullet list of potential topics. Like we are flying completely blind this episode. We Any, are. But anything could happen. I mean, we, we well, anything except we won't be inviting um, uh, like um, weird uh, um, <laughs> people who have museums dedicated to Tanya Harding and, and Nancy Kerrigan. Which still on. sounds like a delightful idea. It really like, does. On oh. paper, it, it sounded like a great idea. Thank you, because I, I I felt bad about that over the years. I'm like, man, that was really terrible. But the concept and the reason I backed the Kickstarter was because it seemed awesome. And I was like, oh, I would love to talk to these people. And then they were just terrible. Terrible people. But here's the thing is now we have like a war story. <laughs> we do. It's something we, we can laugh about for years to come. Years and years to come. And and for uh, I don't even know. I don't I don't think that episode survived. Um, one of our migrations, but a long time, like, like cool kid listeners will recall that um, in the early days of Overtired, we brought on some guests and uh, it did not go well. Yeah, I, I, had a, I had a rough time. I don't even I, I can't even remember what was so wrong with it. I just remember eventually just going like silent and watching it unfold. It, yeah, we should start having some guests now and then, though. You know, yeah, I would I, love to have Ashley Esketha back on. I would love to have her on, too. She's amazing. I would love to have her on. And I actually kind of like threw it at him and half guilted him. But someone was mentioning because a, a, a listener yeah. was listening to us talk about keyboards. And they were talking about how um, our, our, our pal Mike from Relay FM has gotten really into them. And I was like, yes, let's get Mike on. I got a really nice letter from a listener. Um, I probably should have shared it with you, but it turned into a whole like private conversation. Um, sure. But he, he talked about how uh, now that he has a daughter who suffers from depression, it's made him realize that he really doesn't have depression. Like he has normal ups and downs like like people do. And uh, and it's it's helped him realize that it's nothing like clinical depression. But then he also is even deeper into the mechanical keyboard thing than well, way deeper than I am, but even deeper than people I've known having. He's he, he's a Dvorak keyboard user. He's gone oh, wow. through. He also has an ultimate hacking keyboard. So he's gone through the same trials as I have trying to find custom keys to fit the weird layout. But he has gone through like every type of plastic, every type of uh, concave and un, un, unsculpted and different etchings and different switches. Like he's completely like desoldered and resoldered all of his switches. And it, like he's gone deep into it. And he gave me some some tips on where to find some some keys and whatnot. 
Oh, that's awesome. Um, well, if you if you can share that part, uh, some of those resources oh, for sure. with me, yeah. I, I obviously don't need to see any other stuff. But also, that's you know what, like I I a, I really love that he has empathy now that he has a daughter and is able to kind of see that stuff because a lot of people that's what it takes for all of us. I think is we need to have personal experiences. But I really respect that he's like talking about that. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Well, and with my my bipolar posts. I keep getting feedback from people that I like for me, it's a foreign idea. I have a, a my my parents. I come from a family that has had uh, mental illness in its background. They understand it. They accept it. I have a community that is very supportive of me and and enjoys like they thank me for talking about it. I don't have an employer or coworkers to worry about. So like I get to talk about this stuff in a very raw, honest way without risking really anything. Like it, I have like zero risk doing it. And I keep hearing from people who feel like they can't for all of the reasons I just mentioned, but they have the opposite. Right. Uh, and, and when they have tried to speak out about it, uh, people have changed the way they act around them. They've treated them differently. And so they've just, gone silent and they don't tell anyone what they're struggling with and i even had one guy who really needed i mean his situation he needed to talk to somebody and i ended up being his only outlet because he felt like he had nowhere else to go and i'll be honest like i'm not great with personal connections i am i am absolutely i will listen to anyone in that situation and i will offer what i can but having like a face-to-face conversation, I, I didn't realize how exactly how hard it could be for some people. Yeah. No, I mean, that makes me sad, but also what well, makes me two things. One, I'm sad that all these years post us having like very, very concrete, like scientific medical, like, you know, proof of what happens with the brain and, and, and biochemistry and, and neurodiversity and all that stuff, that there's still the stigma. But I'm also heartened that at least people have a way to reach out to some others, you know, that, yeah. that, that like, we always talk about how terrible the internet is because it is, <laughs> but there's something to be said, I think that we wouldn't talk, we wouldn't feel free, or at least I wouldn't feel free. I don't want to speak for anybody else, but I wouldn't feel free to kind of like clown on and make uh, derogatory remarks about the internet if the internet hadn't fundamentally changed my life, not just for the better, but like in many ways kind of saved me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so, and I, and I feel, I feel fortunate to be alive in a time when we have access to that if we're the only reason that we can have those connections with other people yeah. and not feel as alone or um, what or isolated or whatever, regardless of our circumstances. So if it weren't for the internet, I would probably be around people more. Like I, I would probably have to have a job in an office, which, you know, it would suck, but it would just be the way things were. But I am grateful all the time because I really would not voluntarily socialize with people as regularly as I do, if not for Twitter and Facebook and uh, email and all of these ways that I do connect with people. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's it's important. I don't I I I life would be so different in this day and age without the internet. I can't really fathom other than having, you know, my childhood took place before the web existed. So I can remember what that was like, but I don't know what being an adult would be like without it. Yeah. And for me, it's it's a weird thing in that my childhood, like my young childhood did, but basically from like the age of 12 onward, I had the web. And so obviously kids today are born with it and they de- never don't know it. But kids, but parents do still do things like trying to, you know, change the how old they are before they can interact and do certain things. And so they have a concept of what it is and that it's there. But, um, you know, it still varies, I think, in terms of like how old kids are when they become like actively online, you know, like actually communicating. And so for me, it is still one of those things where like, I feel like I've grown up with it to a certain extent, but I know what you mean. Like I can sort of remember what it was like before that, but I don't know otherwise. I know that for me, I don't, like I, I consider myself a pretty outgoing and social person, both in, in person and online, but I don't know if that would be the case if it weren't for the internet, because of the things that I was going through in my in my preteens and teens and things that I experienced, you know, in my real life during those like important periods, uh, the internet was the thing that was like kind of my respuse and was the thing that where I could go to to know and kind of feel like comforted that there were other people out there like me even if they weren't the people I went to school with and even if they weren't the people who lived around me and even if they weren't the people in my community, it's like that there were people like that out there. Yeah. And I feel like that helped me be ready for college where I met more people, you know, from different backgrounds and other stuff, but also just, you know, went, you know, giving you the confidence to like move across the country or visit people in other States or take on other things. I, I don't know if I would have had, that confidence to do that if I didn't know that other people were out there who did understand me, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. It would be, it would be a different life for everyone. Totally. Especially, that was a weird, especially sorry, your age. Yeah, totally. And, and, and I think, yeah, it, it, but it, but it is weird to think about. And I think it's, it's, it's important um, for me to remind myself whenever I'm like, you know, like it's easy to be like, Oh, you know, like, Twitter was a mistake and I mean, sure. Uh, Social media was a mistake. Sure. But there are also things that I take from that. I'm like, no, but my life has been fundamentally improved and made better in ways that I can't even calculate because of the damn internet. I mean, like I know you who I consider one of my close friends because of the internet. Like we never would have met otherwise. Oh, no way. Yeah. So none of, none of the ways, none of the reasons we met would have existed at all. Uh, unless not. we both ended up writing for a print magazine that would probably have been about, I don't even know, we, like if the internet doesn't exist, what else doesn't exist? Technology wouldn't progress. Anyway, did you see the Netflix documentary about social network? I think it was called The Social Dilemma. I did not. We should both put that on our, our watch list. Okay, I'll add that to my watch list right now as we're as we're as we're uh, talking about this. I wanted to ask you actually before we get into any mental health qu- corner updates, if you have any. Um, also, uh, just once again, your blogs are really good and really inspiring, and and, and I really appreciate you writing them. But I wanted to ask you because I was actually thinking about this last night slash this morning when I'm was still awake because of my weird 
you know, um, body um, not being back on the right time zone yet or whatever. Um, you, we talked like one of our first episodes back about you wanting to give up meat again or making that decision again. And I was yeah. wanting to check in with you and see how, how is that going? It's going great. I, uh, I have not given up dairy. Um, I, I'm making a carbon trade-off. My girlfriend has given up dairy, but she eats meat. So I don't eat meat and, and she doesn't consume dairy. So between the two of us, we're a vegan. Um, but yeah, I've, I've completely given up meat. Uh, I tried pescatarian for a few days and decided I, I don't like fish that much. Um, so yeah, I've been, I've been vegetarian. I've been getting vegetarian meals from HelloFresh and the co-op and been, yeah, I'm liking it. That's, that's good. And how is it working with, uh, with you two in terms of your separate meals? Like, is she cooking now? Or are you still cooking meat for her or how is that working? She's cooking her own meals. I'm cooking my own meals. It, I feel like for a while there, I was doing a really good job of cooking for both of us. And it was really yeah. nice because she's working days now. Uh, yeah. She's, she's doing like home care and she comes home pretty worn out. And it was really nice to be able to offer her <laughs> dinner uh, without her having to expend any more energy. But we're, we're, I don't know how it'll play out in the long run, but for the time being, we're cooking separate meals and doing fine with it. That's good. That's really good to know. Um, so, yeah, but I, I just wanted to, to check in and, and do some follow up on that because I was curious and that occurred to me last night slash this morning. I don't know. So we recorded just listeners might not know. We usually try to record on a certain day and then we release on the same day. But this week we actually recorded a couple of days late and um, now we're recording the, the day we normally record, but a couple of hours early. And so when we last talked, which feels like just a couple of days ago it and it, you know, and, and it was, but, but it's, it not, it was not as, as, as uh, it's further back than it seems. I was talking about how I was having to like set my like circadian rhythm or whatever, because I was going to have to do these really long night shifts. And I did that. So I did that on, on Tuesday night and Wednesday night. And then I had, I, I slept for a really, really long time on Thursday. Um, and then I had to wake up early yesterday to do stuff. And I thought that I was going to have some other stuff uh, Friday afternoon that, that didn't end up happening. And and then I, I was going to try to go to sleep or whatever. And that didn't really work. But then I wound up taking a nap of sorts, which wasn't even that long. And then I woke up at around 10 or 11 p.m. And I've been up since then. So I, I might just do what I can to stay up all day today so I can get back on like a normal rhythm. But, um, yeah. Um, so how did Ignite go? It went really well. It went really well. Um, it was, it was weird. It was different than what we've kind of done before in terms of the way our live show goes, like our, our, what we call like our, you know, Ignite Live or Build Live, which basically is kind of like our ESPN Sports Center style show. And when the event is in person, we actually have like a really big desk, which was kind of modeled to look like the Sports Center desk. Like it's massive. Um, you know, it, it can fit, I think, you know, eight people on it at, at once, although usually only two or three of us are up there, sometimes only one. And we have like a, a stage and we usually have like an, like an audience, then we stream that out. And then we bring people on and we do, you know, 15 to 30 minute interviews. 
in this context, because everything is virtual, we were doing things from the studio in terms of the live hosts, but then our interviews were with people where it was, was over Microsoft Teams. Uh, but it was in the, the Microsoft production studios, not our, our Channel 9 studios. And Channel 9 is kind of our scrappy little kind of like underground thing. Like we do, like the team uh, does unbelievable, amazing work um, on almost no budget and with very few resources. Uh, but the Microsoft production studios is like, I mean, the people who are on the crew, let's put it this way, most of them. I think it was a fully union crew, but most of the people who were uh, crewing had worked in live uh, television, you know, like like uh, one of our uh, stage managers for part of our shift uh, works on Jimmy Kimmel's show and is is furloughed right now and is just kind of waiting for him to bring everybody back on. And, you know, people have worked, you know, in, in television and stuff for, for, for years. And um, even though it's, it's a, a small setup, it is uh, very similar to when I used to you know, do like live TV um, on, on, on cable networks and whatnot. And so uh, obviously what is different is that that is not the the normal approach that we have for this sort of thing. This is a lot more professional in that sense. And then there are additional kind of restrictions and requirements around how social distancing works. So the host and I, uh, my co-host and I, like, even though we weren't wearing masks on set, we were still having to be six feet apart at all times. Um, you know, from the desk and whatnot, uh, the, the the crew and uh, everybody else in, in the production was was wearing masks. You know, there were separate makeup artists for each person, and you know the cleaners were coming through all the time. So it was really safe, and and I and that was similar to to Microsoft Build, but this time, um, there was more. I guess some of the programming, the, some of the programming was just a little bit different, and so that was. Uh, kind of interesting getting used to. The first day, Seth and I didn't have as much to do. The second day was a little bit busier, but it was just kind of a bunch of like, kind of like hurry up and go and introducing different segments. But what was good about it was that when I did Microsoft Build in May, and we did a similar thing where it was 72 hours live, this time it was 48 hours. Uh, with Build, um, I was by myself. And so I didn't have anybody doing the live segments with me. I had, I had remote hosts out of the UK, uh, who, who were doing things, but none of us were in the same space together. And I was just kind of alone with the crew in the studio. And this time I had Seth Juarez, who was amazing. He is like a, a um, he's practically a PhD, but he, he just hasn't completed his thesis or whatever, um, in, um, um, comp sci and, and AI and machine learning, but he's one of our advocates and he's also just amazing on camera, super smart guy, super, uh, like congenial and also very, very relatable on camera, just a, a terrific guy. And so he and I just had a blast together from, you know, I, our on-air time was like, I think from like 11 p.m. until 7 a.m. the first day. And then it was like 11 p.m. until like like 8 a.m. Um, the, the second day. And uh, we had we had a really good time. So that was fun. I, uh, I didn't I didn't see any of it. I'm not. That's fine. But I did see your outfits on Instagram. Yes. Well, thank you. That's outfits. the most important part. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, no. Honestly, the, the the outfits are the best part. Yeah, no. I have to say, like, the content, and it's really fun when I get to interview people. Like, I, I did a session on Microsoft Edge coming to uh, Linux, which was cool. And and there were some other interviews I did with some kind of a, a amazing women in the community who were, were really, really outstanding. 
But I'm going to be honest, whether it's the live show or like what we are now doing in studios, for me, the best part of these things is always the fact that I get to, I know I'm going to get to dress up and do something cool with my clothes and bring my style into it a little bit, which um, I appreciate that Microsoft doesn't like make me stick to not that anything that I that I wear would in any way be inappropriate but you know I'm not like I'm not like wearing corporate like you know dress stuff like it's it's right I'm not doing that I mean I could but like I I'm I was wearing like I wore like a a a hoodie dress the first day and the second day I had like a jumpsuit which was just that was my favorite was the yeah mine too which is just fantastic uh and goth devo Yes, completely, completely. It was, it was like retro futurism. It was just really, it, it was really good. Um, and I like uh, for build one year, um, the live event, I had like this amazing dress that I got from Diesel when I was in Dubai. And the dress was so good. It was just, it's, it's um, sleeveless and it's really form fitting and it's just awesome. And then it has kind of like these futuristic, it kind of looks Japanese. Like it just, it has just, it's just an amazing looking dress. And People were, and then the the, the woman, uh, uh, Josen, who was one of our stage managers, and she also uh, did my makeup and hair, and she's just fantastic. She did, she made me look just incredible. And people were coming up to me. I had like people asking to get photos with me, not because they knew me, but because they wanted, because of the dress, because right. they like wanted to show people that somebody, I guess, was at a developer conference, like dressed like that. And I'm like, yeah, I am. Hi, welcome to Build. Uh, so, yeah. Sorry, I'll to, stop rambling now. No, it's all right. I used to get really into dressing up. Like, I owned so many suits and and nice shirts and matching ties and cufflinks and socks and a rack of belts. Like, I used to be... It used to really make me happy to get dressed up. And then I gained weight and and didn't buy new clothes and then I lost a bunch of weight. So the clothes I did have didn't fit anymore. And I've never really built my dressy wardrobe back up. I basically have a drawer full of t-shirts and uh, maybe five pairs of jeans that I kind of rotate between. But I just, if, if a formal occasion were to come up right now, or if I had to be on screen for something other than some video cast, I, I don't think I would have to go clothes shopping, which also might be fun. I kind of miss it. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly, I had, so I bought both of the things that I got. I bought them both online and I was worried about how they were going to fit and both fit well. I actually could have gone a size smaller in the jumpsuit. It was an extra small. I could have and probably should have done the extra, extra small, but, uh, I know. Um, but, um, but that's actually not a good thing. That's a whole other topic, but, yeah. uh, but yeah, I, I I had to buy them online and that's always hard. Uh, I miss clothes shopping, but I also know what you mean in terms of, you know, like what well, we've talked about this before. Like when I gained weight, um, I didn't get rid of all my other clothes and I got some other clothes, you know, I had to fit into, which then I got rid of those when I lost weight. But it it has made me weirdly like since I've lost the weight again and it's been several years now, like not that I was ever ungrateful or not that I was ever took it for granted, but it's made me just that much more like, okay, um, if I have, if, if I have the ability to, to look nice and, and, you know, get the stuff like I'm not, I'm not taking that for granted and I'm going to, going to do that and, and try to embrace that, which, 
when I was a kid, clothes shopping was the worst thing in the entire world. It was like the right. most horrific. No, but, but like it was just it was um, for me because of the size that I was and and how I was different from my peers and how like my my puberty was delayed and all that stuff. Like it was genuinely like a traumatic experience going clothes shopping when I was like you know uh, early teens, and and even in high school it wasn't great. And um, then I went to a period where I really liked it and like, I'm never going to take it for granted because I know that it could change. So I, when I have the excuse to, to go all out and shop, I do. Yeah. I, I used to have an Oscar de la Renta tux from my wedding. Oh shit. And it, after I lost all the weight, I was able to fit back into it. And so in the back of my mind, at least if the occasion came up, I owned my own tux and I wouldn't have to rent some ill-fitting, shitty tux. Um, and then we had a cat that I don't know what problems were going on, but it started spraying and it sprayed the pants of the tux. And I think I don't think I had a say in the matter. I think Elle threw them out. Uh, I don't think she realized how much they were worth. But, <laughs> I, but I'm not sure, even if she hadn't, that I would have been able to make them wearable. I don't know if you've ever tried to get cat pee out of something. It's it's very difficult. So even I have not. But you know what? Like I I know that that's that's a smell that lingers. It really is. I woke so up I to skunk smell last night. It, some I, we don't have great well insulated windows, and I think a skunk either got hit or or just sprayed near our house because last night I could not could not sleep through the smell. It was awful, and it lasts forever. You probably don't have a lot of skunks in your big city life. No, no, we don't. I mean, um, at least not where I live. It's I, I'm sure that people who live like because the suburbs are real close i'm sure that many of them do but uh we sure don't we have uh we have plenty of other things that smell real bad but yeah this conversation has been so random i'm not sure it's been more random than our usual conversations but it feels more random because we don't have a bullet list yeah this is true this is true um okay so on our billet list, now that we've done, we've, we've talked about some stuff, I've rambled for a bit. Uh, do we have any mental health corner updates? How are you feeling? How's the depression and actually, how's the other stuff? I actually don't have anything to add this week. It's been like a totally stable, totally normal, healthy week for me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. How about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty good. It's, it's again, like it's been a weird thing just because I... Uh, you, you get the adrenaline and the high from like the live stuff, at least I do. But then it was also, you know, just the weird time zone of it all. Like um, I, my body has been used to and has been really good at switching, you know, like what cadence it's awake and asleep at yeah. because I traveled so much, but it's been now eight months since I've traveled. So uh, that, that was a weird thing to kind of get used to. So if uh... yeah, but otherwise I'm good. If the world changes and you start traveling again, what what are we going to do with this show? Are you going to find a way to make it work? Yeah, that's what absolutely. That's what I did with Rocket. what I did with Rocket. Yeah. yeah, Rocket, we never miss an episode. If anything, there were a couple of weeks that I missed, but for the most part what would happen would be 
even if it, like the only thing that would make it weird would be if I was going to be on stage during a recording time, then there would need to be an adjustment. But there were plenty of times when I was up at ridiculous times of the night in Europe where um, it's like nine or 10 hours ahead of Pacific time. And so, you know, um, like, you know, uh, seven or, or um, uh, six or seven hours ahead of uh, Eastern time. <laughs> and I would still, even if it was like, you know, it's like if I have to get up at two or 3 a.m. or whatever, I'd be like, okay, that's fine. I'll do the, I'll do the recording. So well, yeah, we'd make if, it work. If that happens and we have a sponsor and we just can't miss a week, I'm going to, I'll beg Ashley to, uh, to come in and, and co-host in your, in your absence for a week. I think that would be completely fine. I think that'd be completely fine. But yeah, no, I mean, if we, um, but no, I mean, I, I was pretty good about like making that work. Also, there's the, the work travel stuff. That's such an interesting, at least for this sort of travel that I was doing, there would be, you know, speaking at the conferences and doing all that stuff, which takes a lot out of you, but then there would be additional things and night activities and other stuff. And so having to stay up later or whatever wouldn't be a big deal. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Or get up earlier or whatever. Um, yeah. I mean, there, there are parts of me that, I mean, well, no, there's a lot of me that misses travel. I miss travel a lot, but um, it's, it's just weird how much my body has like, Ha- has to reacclimate to that kind of stuff and and but but to be totally honest i don't know when i'm going to be able to do that again like i have a feeling at least for work stuff it'll probably be a very long time yeah before that's gonna be the case which is a shame but it is what it is because you know well because you can't... were traveling for conferences right exactly yeah conferences aren't going to be a thing for the foreseeable future exactly it's, it's all this online stuff and, and that's fine but yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I was traveling for conferences and usually like, you know, fairly deep international travel at that. And that's probably going to take even more time to come back or at least to the point where people would want to bring people from the United States in. Yeah, like right. I, I, I would if I, if I were in another country right now and we were like, yeah, you've got the clearance to open up. I'm not real sure that I would be like, yes, let's invite speakers from the United <laughs> States of America. Yeah. Not real sure I do that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I wouldn't. So yeah. did you watch Woke? No, I didn't. Uh, I had no time. I gave so, you homework and, and you I know you gave me I know you, you did. I know you did. Yes, I completely failed. And I'm very sorry. I did not watch Woke. I haven't watched anything really except uh for the newest episode of The Vow, which is the uh, <laughs> show about Nexium on HBO. Okay. Are you familiar with Nexium? I am not. Okay. I did just so, get HBO, though, so if there's a show I need to watch, I can do it. Amazing. Okay, so Succession is one that you need to watch, yeah, uh, which okay. I told you last week. Okay, but The Vow is, I think it's an eight-part documentary series, and it is about this cult, frankly, called Nexium, uh, N-X-I-V-M. And it was, it, it ensnared a lot of women and a lot of people, kind of presented itself as like a self-help sort of thing and then turned into like there was like within the organization there was a sub organization where women basically became sex slaves to the oh, male yeah, leader of the whole thing this. yeah yeah this is this is the thing with allison mack the girl from one of the girls from smallville who yeah. she was like big wig on it big wig in it anyway uh the the documentary is really really good it's 
I think five parts have been released so far. I'm not sure how many more are left, but it's really, really good. Um, some of the people have been in other projects. Uh, Sarah Edmondson, who's a, a Canadian actress who was like a huge recruiter in the organization. She's the one who is pretty much responsible for bringing it to the public attention and kind of getting it shut down. There had been a lot of exposés over the years about them and what they were doing and people were kind of complained about stuff. But she was in this women's only organization, although she never slept with the the big wig guy. And she was branded like they branded women like they mm -hmm. like, you know, like branded their skin. And when she realized that the branding was this dude's initials and that he was involved, she was just horrified. And so she got really upset and she left. And she also found out more information and she left. And she went to the press and ended up being a big part of a New York Times story that was – that led basically to the FBI getting involved and investigating and then getting them for, um, you know, uh, not just uh, like uh, – tax evasion and, and all kinds of other kind of things, but also like sex trafficking. And so she's, uh, she was in a podcast that the CBC did called um, Escaping Nexium, and that was really good. But this is a different sort of thing. What I like about the series is that, and I read one of the reviews mentioned this, so I'm stealing this from someone, but it was a really pertinent point. Most like documentaries about cults really focus on the cult leaders themselves yeah and this one doesn't it focuses on the victims and the people who have left and it kind of chronicles the period of of them leaving up through i'm i'm, I'm guessing it'll go through the the trial and and other stuff but um i appreciate that that perspective is very much focused on the members like the individuals the people who left the people who are the victims rather than building the hagiography of the the cult leader and how people could be you know what i mean like yeah. it's not really about him at all and it's it it's a, it's about their experiences which it's really good cool so. i will i will check it out i uh my i watched blow the man down on amazon which was okay but i i indulged in one of my favorite types of movies and i'm almost embarrassed to admit how much i like heist movies but I, I love heist movies. It's the same formula every time, but every time I have fun. They're um, great. I watched the uh, Now You See Me duo. Uh, number one is still a lot of fun. Number two does not. If you watch number one and number two in succession, number two is an awful movie. You ever watch those? I don't... Have you seen them at no, all? No, I haven't. I've never seen them at all. Oh, they're fun. Well, the first okay. one's fun. Okay. All right. I'll watch the first one. No, I love a good heist movie. I kept saying uh, to to the the crew, I was like, I would kept quoting Ocean's Love, and I was like, it's nice to be working with proper villains again. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I I love a good heist movie. I love uh, the Italian Job, like yeah. even the remake. Yeah. You know. The re yeah, the remake stood on its own. It was really good. It was really good, and honestly, it, that was the first one. Like, it took him a few more years to figure it out, but that was the first one where Charlize Theron was like a badass action star. And it took a few more years for them to really like cast her in those roles, but she held her own, and like she did a lot of her own stunts, driving and stuff. Even though some of the like she was underestimated, because I think when she was cast in that, that was before she won the Oscar for Monster, and you know she's like super hot and like tall and Charlize Theron, so. <laughs> You know, they weren't probably treating her with respect that 
they should have, but you know, um, yeah, I am. Um, I like that Charlize has become an action hero. I do too. I do too. Have you seen what is it? Uh, the uh, the old guard or what is it called? No, that's on my list. It's 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 really it's good. Next up on my list, actually, that's Netflix, right? Yeah, that's Netflix. Yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. That's really really good. Yeah, it looked good. Um, I did enjoy her in the movie she did with what's his name, the stoner guy. Um, funny funny guy did the night before. Um. You got nothing. Oh. Um, oh, man. She did a movie where she was a politician and he was. Uh, OK, I'm going to lose it now. I'm going to look it I'm up while we're up. talking here so that I don't just. All right. All right. Sooner, guys. So are we talking like Seth Rogen? Yes. Like I'm trying to think. Yes. OK. That's the one. Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron. Um, this is I'm, great. I'm audio headed right to here. IMDb. We're going to find this. It's called uh, Filmographies. I, I love IMDb on the phone. I know. But it's not, um, not as good on the web. Um, man, I don't see it. I hope I, I hope I didn't mix up actresses. Oh, wait, this is her producer credits. Why would I want to see producer credits? No, it's, it's, called, it's called Long Shot. Yes, that's the one. That, that, I, I enjoyed that. I, I, I'm not a stoner. Like I haven't smoked weed since my teens, but I do enjoy Seth in just about everything he does. No, he's great. I, I enjoy him too. Um, he's, he's great. And yeah, I actually, now that I'm looking at the, uh, 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 I guess poster for it. I remember this, this was fun. Yeah. This was a fun movie. Yeah, she, uh, she's she's very funny. That's the thing about her too. Like she's a great action star, but yeah. she's very funny. Um, I I my late uncle always said, and he was very right about this. We would, you know, I loved the TV show Arrested Development, and people really, I think, gave Fox a hard time about canceling the show. They're like, oh, you didn't give it a chance and whatnot. And like, that's actually completely not true. Like Fox gave it very good time slots. Like for a period <laughs> of time, it was after American Idol. Yeah. Like American Idol was its lead in. Like they couldn't have done it any better. And then the third season when, yeah, they did kind of mess with the scheduling. But this was after they had like a six or seven episode arc with Charlize Theron. Did As the nothing for the ratings. School teacher. Yes. Yeah. Completely. Yes. Mr. F. But <laughs> but um but it's like when Charlie's Theron can't bring in viewers, like what else are you wanting the network to do? Like they gave it three seasons. Like honestly, uh at a certain point, you know, the way they burned it off was kind of sad or whatever, but it was like, yeah, you know, like they still they still did air them and and you know, the show eventually came back to Netflix or whatever. But at a certain point, I was like, look, I loved this show more than probably most people but if, if Shirley, like my uncle said he was like if, if Shirley's Theron isn't gonna get people to watch like the show's just not it's just not gonna work on on, on this format and and it didn't so i did yeah love but that she's show. very funny yeah i love that show i still quote it uh and half the time i quote it and i it takes me a while to even remember what i'm <laughs> quoting from like i'll just remember the the lines and they'll be so mundane that I, I won't be able to place them and then it'll come back to me. And then half the time yeah. I can't remember the name of the show. I'll be like, oh, it's from, it's from, it's from, uh, and then, yeah. Then people have gotten used to that enough that they'll just assume that I'm talking about Arrested Development when I can't remember the name of a show, even though they've never seen it. 
it's weird how many people never saw Arrested Development. Really? I At this point, I figured out almost everybody had, but I guess it's just kind of my own like little bubble Your insu- of people. insular little world? Yeah. Out in yeah, the real I'm world, so. people, people may have heard of it, but they didn't watch it. But I mean, like you said, it had basically prime time slotting on Fox. It's so weird that people didn't get into it. I don't know. Well, I feel like it was, especially the era when it came out, it was such a different sort of show. Like that was, at that point, single camera comedies were still fairly new. And the humor on it, especially how integrated the jokes were, I really feel like that was the sort of show that you got it the more you watched it. It was one of those things that if you watched, if like if you got it on DVD and you watched it over and over again and you could pick up on the little <laughs> things, then you would pick up on the jokes, you would pick up on the tells, yeah. you would pick up on the signs. And so it was really, well, I, it was made for the streaming age. It was it, made for binge watching. Yeah, it had a lot of running jokes that wouldn't be funny if you didn't have this long history They're, they become like inside jokes for the show exactly well and then they even had setups like they set up things like you know like buster losing his hand um like basically from the first episode of the second season and there were certain setups and certain jokes that even went from like somewhere in the first season that didn't pay off until like the end of the series <laughs> right. but it was clear that they had thought about this like it wasn't just a oh this will be a, a funny thing like there were clearly like setups for this and and it was really smart that way but these were things you would only know if you watched it over and over again and i remember i didn't watch the like i guess like the first few episodes but at some point I, I i caught it its first season airing on fox and then they they re-ran it and, and fx ran it i believe um concurrently and i was able to catch up and i then got it on dvd as soon as the first season came out on dvd and i remember i was dating this guy who lived in another state and he was visiting me this is when i was in college and he was visiting me and showing him the show and us spending like a big part of his visit just binge watching the entire thing and just loving them. He became a huge fan. And that was the case with a lot of my friends. It's like they would have to borrow the DVDs or buy the DVDs and people would would see it on DVD. And then when it got on streaming you know, on, on Netflix or Hulu or whatever, I, th- I think it was Netflix who had it. It was for a long time, like one of Netflix's most popular shows. And that was why all those years later, Netflix was able to make the deal and say, okay, we will help fund and bring this back. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, and that didn't work as well. Everybody had kind of moved on. They weren't able to get people in the same rooms. And um, the way that they kind of did the setup, it, it you know, they tried, but you can't, you kind of can't re, you know, capture kind of the magic. Although there were some funny things, I think, later in that first series of episodes. And then the second group, um, I, I think, was a little bit better. But, um, yeah, I, I feel like that was a show where it was both too, just slightly, just slightly ahead of its time. And then streaming was really where it would thrive. I, I think a similar corollary, modern-wise, would be The Good Place. Yeah. The Good Place, the good place like, really, I think the reason that NBC renewed it so often, you know, it got four seasons. I don't think NBC would have renewed it if it hadn't been so successful on streaming. Yeah. But because it... But it's the same thing where, like, you watch it over and over again and you catch little things and you catch the setups. And and that's the sort of thing that'll keep you intrigued. And I was kind of amazed that they managed to pull off four seasons off that premise for The Good Place. Me too. Uh, they and did and they did a, really a great job, job with it. Yeah, it was great. They did an amazing job. Michael Shore uh, is one of my favorites. I love Parks and Recreation. I loved his stuff on The Office. Um, he's he's awesome. Um, 
the office is another one, right? Like that it is, uh, <laughs> th this is no longer, well, we're just talking about TV now, but no, but this is actually sort of interesting. So you know, the office obviously was successful on NBC and it aired for nine seasons and it, you know, won Emmys and, um, it kind of revitalized their, you know, comedy kind of thing that had been there in the nineties, but it was never the success that it is now. Like the first season, that show was almost canceled and, and that's very public. They only did like six episodes. And then the second season when they rebooted it and they made some very, very important changes to the characters and some of the other things, um, it started to build an audience. But what's interesting is that then it kind of died off at a certain point, you know, and like they still aired it because it was a hit and it won Emmys and, and had, you know, um, you know, it was just kind of a, a thing that would fill their schedule. But it wasn't like people were still watching it and talking about it all the time. Then it goes to streaming and it was, I mean, this is public now, but I, I actually knew this before it was public because I have friends who used to work at Netflix and had access to this data. It was the most popular television show on Netflix. Really? Like it was the most popular program on Netflix. Yes. By a pretty substantial margin. I talked to and so many people that hated that show. What Right. But this is the interesting thing is that it became this massive, massive second life on Netflix to the point that, you know, um, when Netflix lost friends, that was a big deal. And that was obviously painful for them. And and um, Warner Brothers paid, you know, a billion dollars or some something, something stupid. They paid some stupid amount of money to get the exclusive rights on HBO Max. But The Office, which is on Peacock, and I believe it's still on um, Hulu right now, but it's going to be like leaving – um, or no, it, it, um, no, it, it, it's left that too. It, it, it is now ex exclusively on, um, uh, Peacock or whatever. Uh, you know, I think that they have like some sort of exclusive period, but it, that was like a hard thing probably for them to even get, like in some ways, I think losing that was probably a bigger loss for Netflix than losing friends just hmm. because a, I guarantee you that Netflix paid a lot more for friends we know that they did for the final year they they agreed to some ridiculous like you know like amount of money to pay for for getting it for an additional year of streaming but b i think the just the syndication package all up just because friends is like the most successful sitcom of all time like that was gonna be more expensive than the office was and yet the office was like this not high budget show it's like like the the cast of friends they were making like two million episodes an episode the final season right yeah. like nobody on the office ever made a million dollars an episode like Steve Carell probably got 500,000 at his peak. Yeah. And and he probably could have asked for more but didn't. Uh but but certainly like, you know, uh the, the next highest paid person would have been Rain Wilson and and he he wasn't making that kind of money. You know, they, what, this not was not Jim. No, it would be Rain Wilson. Huh. I mean, I think Jim like was was next in line, but um in terms of like uh Rain Wilson got top billing after Steve Carell left. Huh. I didn't realize that. Yeah. I binged that show this year. I love that show so much. The entire thing. And I, it, it, as a, as a very, if you watch the whole thing over a couple of weeks, yep. it is really amazing. The character development that they go through and Michael, especially like, yes, because you don't just develop Michael as a character. You actually watch him grow as a person and, and become an actual person because in the beginning he's very much um stunted both in character development and as his personality 
And by the yes. end, you you have this these like deep feelings for Michael and really kind of uh yeah, no, and that's the case with a lot of them. And I think that I think that was actually what was key to making the show work because the British version was, you know, David Brent was not a character like you you didn't want to sympathize with him, right? Like he wasn't that kind of guy and never really evolved. Right. Um, and that was fine. Uh, his character on extras, Ricky Drew based on extras yeah. is a little bit different, right? But but on the office, he didn't have that. And that doesn't work on American TV. And I think that that's what they figured out after the first six episodes is that they were trying too hard and they're like, okay, we need to make they 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 made a very key change. And the the change went to made that they made him like David Brent was never competent in the first few episodes of the, of the show. Michael Scott's really not competent. You really don't know why he's the boss and right. he's just kind of full of himself. And then it switched into this thing where it's like, okay, he was this really amazing sales guy and they just kept promoting him, even though he had no business being in management. And right. then his thing went into being like, he just desperately wanted to be liked and that's relatable. And that's something that works and and that I think is why that character grew and evolved and like you rooted for him and we're like happy to see him get his happy ending. Yeah, I ended up seeing a lot of myself in Michael. Uh, not it, it's kind of like when I was watching that uh, the dating show for autistic people. Um, this uh, they were on the outside. What I always felt like on the inside. And and Michael was much like that, like the way that he would react to people, the the thin skin that mm -hmm. he had, um, the obtuseness he had to social cues, like I I all of that was relatable to me. So I did become like emotionally invested in his his growth and his development as a character. Totally, totally. I mean, and there were some episodes. I don't know. It's hard for me to watch sometimes because the cringe is too much. But like the <laughs> the, the 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 Scott's Tots episode. Yeah. <laughs> is like hard to watch <laughs> it is oh my god um for anyone who they hasn't actually... seen it he he basically promises a classroom of kids that if they graduate high school i think he'll buy them or pay he'll, for he'll their, pay college. their tuition. yeah and and then it happens and he realizes there's no way he could ever afford to do that and so he has to go in and listen to their their heartwarming stories and then tell them oh just kidding yeah it's i mean harsh. It, it, it's hard honestly e honestly even you talking about it like i feel like chills like it's one of those things <laughs> that's like and 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 what's that was uh also though like there, there's like a song like like hey mr scott what's you gonna do yeah you know what's you gonna do when your dreams come true <laughs> and um uh, the character aaron that um uh, uh ellie um kemple kemper played uh like is it she's and i loved her character mm -hmm. i really did like the the way that she is with him when they're in that school wow yeah that that's good tv um one of my favorite moments from earlier in quarantine was the it was the anniversary of the airing of the episode the dinner party that's oh. the one where we're, we're, we're jan and michael have yeah. the dinner party yeah and they have the big fight and yes everyone yeah yeah, and so um, the office Twitter account and and some of the people like live tweeted it, <laughs> and there was like a live like viewing of it. It was pretty great. Uh, yeah, um, uh, yeah, no. Yeah, so so it is still on Netflix, but it will be going officially to Peacock exclusively in January. But yeah, um, 
it's one of those shows that like whenever it goes on sales on iTunes, I use this app called Cheap Charts and I get alerts and I always like tell my friends who I know are really into it. I'm like, okay, the whole series is $30, buy it, you know, so you can watch it when it leaves Netflix or whatever. Yeah. Um, because yeah, it's just one of those things like I I have I have the iTunes version. I also have it on Blu-ray. I have various things on DVDs. I've I've gotten a lot of enjoyment out of that show. So speaking of quarantine and going back to Charlize Theron's filmography, have yes. you watched any of the uh, the Princess Bride TV shorts? I have not. They're doing like um, I know they're doing like readings, right? And it's basically they're acting it out, and every scene is different actors playing the characters, and they do like a live reading of it, and they act it out, but all on like. Uh, like iPhone photography and from their homes. And if you have nostalgia for the princess bride, which most of my generation seems to have like severe nostalgia for the princess bride. Um, it's, it's kind of a delight to watch. Yeah. Okay. So this is where I have to admit, um, and I'm going to lose my, all my nerd cred. Well, no, nah, I, I don't think all of it. Cause I'm, I'll, I have enough to get it back in other ways. I'm I'm not a big fan. Yeah, no, it's a very select like it was I think my sister liked it even more than I did, but it was very much like this kind of I think maybe 8 year span of of people age-wise who just found it to be like the pinnacle of the fairy tale that we needed at the time and it became like a lifelong obsession of sorts. And you can just say as you, as you wish and people within that eight year span of time will immediately know what you're talking about and, and like start reminiscing about all their favorite lines from the movie. But yeah, it's not, it's not that amazing of a movie, but I, I love it. Yeah, I I don't have it's it's yeah, it's a weird thing. I um like my sister wasn't into it at all and that wouldn't have been her type of humor. And but she she's in the right right age range. And then I mean, I guess I technically am. I'm I'm like I'm at like the bottom end of it or whatever. Yeah. But then my my cousin Cole, who's 3 years older than me, really liked it. And his younger sister Allison, who's 40 years older than me, was like obsessed with anything that her brother wanted. So she really liked it. And so they would watch it all the time and they lived down the street. So they would watch that all the time. They would watch, uh, uh, what was it like top secret? Um, (laughs) and, and, and there was like other, other movies with, with, uh, with Val Kilmer. Like there were just, there was like a, there were other Carrie Yule's movies. Like they were just really into that stuff. Like they really liked Robin Hood men in tights. There's like this, yeah, real genius. That's thank you. That 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 one <laughs> loved real genius. They watched that all the time. And I just like, I don't know. When they were really, really, really into it, which was when I was in elementary school, I was just like, I don't care. Um, and, and so um and I think that a lot of people like loved it from like rewatching it over and over again as kids. And um I know why people like it and and I think it's funny. It's just for whatever reason, it's one of those weird movies that I don't have a lot of personal kind of association with. And so it's always been one of those weird movies for me to be like, oh, yeah, um, love The Princess Bride. Because, like, I don't like I don't <laughs> dislike it. I just don't really I don't know. I just don't really care. Yeah. But no, I have but, but not, I have been really you're not alone going. in that. 
But I, I have been really excited to see how excited other people have been with the various readings. I just haven't watched any of them because I, I don't care enough. But like, I, I think that's actually pretty awesome. And I like that people are bringing that sort of nostalgia. And we've seen some other things like that, too. Like there was a, a reading of um, uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah. Uh, the screenplay. And that was pretty cool. So, yeah, and that, see, I that never movie, got into that movie. Yeah, me either. I mean, that movie is way, way. I mean, that movie came out, I think, before I was born. But <laughs> um, but I'm a huge Cameron Crowe fan and I've watched that movie. And like that was Amy Heckerling's first film like that she directed. And she directed Clueless, which is one of my favorite movies ever, ever, ever. And Fast Times is a movie that could not be made today in yeah, any way. Sure. Uh, the abortion would never be allowed. The abortion, it's amazing, was allowed in, in 1982 or whatever. But um, but it's a great teen comedy. And um, so, yeah, I, I've enjoyed seeing some of these types of things. The West Wing is doing some stuff right now, too, to try to encourage people to vote. They're doing, like, West Wing reunions and, and, and readings. And, um, I mean, that's one of the upsides of everybody kind of being stuck at home and bored. But you did. Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. I loved The West Wing. The, my only issue with The West Wing was that it uh, interfered with Dawson's Creek for a period of time. <laughs> and so I obviously watched Dawson's Creek and then would record and like watch The West Wing like later. Oh but yeah. God. Yeah. I never got into either of those shows. Yeah, I am. Um, Although I'm told I, I'm told I would appreciate The West Wing now. Just the idea of uh, reminiscing about having a, a competent, sane, competent president. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, of the two, you would definitely like the West Wing more, although I think that you would appreciate the West Wing. I don't think that that's like one of your shows, though. Yeah. I, I appreciate that we like. I just I had breakfast with my parents this morning, and as we've talked about in the past, my parents and I disagree on just about anything political. Right. Um, and so I'm in that mode where I talk about anything but. And we managed to get through an hour of this show without really talking about the horrible situation that politics yeah. is in right now. I, and, and we don't need to change that because. I'll, no, I don't I'll want to. That's, that was by design. I was going to say this is kind of a, <laughs> by design for me, if I'm being completely honest with you. I, I can't. It, it upsets me so much yeah. that I. Like, I don't want it to be part of the stuff that I output to people, if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel it's like... Not that, it's, not, it's not that I don't care. It's that I care so deeply, and it's so depressing to me, that I don't want to turn something that I enjoy and that I look forward to doing, which is this show with you, I don't want to turn it into a discourse on that stuff, at least from my perspective, if you want to go off on it, I'm more than happy to listen to you do it. I just, I'm like emotionally exhausted. I don't want to, I yeah. don't want to do that. No, I have had to stop every day. I have to put a limit on how much news I can read uh, and how many tweets about American fascism I'm allowed to send out before I have to put a cap on it and switch back to cute kitty photos. Cause it is mentally draining. And it is. We're in an abusive relationship with our country that is leading to PTSD for people mm -hmm. and it's going to be long lasting ramifications well beyond the current presidency. And it is, it's, it is mentally uh, not just draining, but seriously stress inducing. And yeah, no, we can avoid that for now. That's fine. 
Yeah, no, the only thing I was going to say is while we were talking, actually, I got a text from vote.org. It was like, election day is coming up. Would you like to verify your voter registration? Reply, why to check now? And I am registered. And, and the state of Washington, this is very interesting given the whole thing, is strictly vote by mail. Like, that is the only way yeah. you vote. We, that, that, and, and that's been the case for quite some time. And so uh, I will be I will be voting by mail um, the same way every other citizen will but uh, that, just a reminder, I, I'm not sure when the deadlines are in some states they might have already passed. But, you know, if you aren't registered, register. And regardless of your thoughts, like vote, it's, it's so important to vote. My ballot was received on Wednesday. Amazing. Yeah, I haven't Done. received. Ours haven't. Our, because the whole state is, we haven't received them yeah. yet. But as soon as they come in, I will be voting and um yeah, I just I voted for the legalized marijuana party for president. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't even don't even <laughs> see now I'm going to have PTSD thinking about all the assholes I worked with at Gawker who were like because we lived in New York and they were just so sure that that Hillary was going to win that they like made a big deal out of themselves being like, yeah, you know, we didn't have to. um uh, we did like they, they, you know, wrote articles about either why they didn't vote or who they voted for or whatever. And a lot of the women like this before the results came out, like we were chastising them, especially like the, the Jezebel uh, reporters were like, this is really gross and this is really like elitist. And, and you know, you're really like publicly taking a position is making you look like a jackass. And then we were all together as we were watching the results come in, feeling sicker and sicker. And I left, you know after midnight and it was just like this horrible thing and the next day you know it rained it was just i don't know i just have flashbacks to that so yeah vote and don't vote for gary johnson or, or jill stein or or, <laughs> or whoever the like, fuck it is this whoever. year yeah and i don't fucking care like just like like vote out this guy like period yeah. like i i am no fan of biden i have a lot of problems with biden i'm not a fan of the corporate duopoly of our political system but the this damage the done by the GOP and the potential damage they could do in the next four years is not worth taking some kind of uh, principled stand on it. Uh, just also, frankly, yeah, and, and I would actually argue that it is not a principled stand. I would say that that if you actually care about getting to a point where you can hold those principles, like it's yeah. not a principled stand to let fascism take over. Like, honestly, right. like I, I think that is actually incredibly unprincipled to see fascism and say, well, I'm not going to do my part to stop this because the alternative is not as good as I would like. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, sorry, fuck that. No, yep. don't care. Agreed. Agreed. And all right. And, and now, now, now we can be done on the, on the topic because otherwise yeah. we'll both go on. But yeah. Plus, we're, we, we hit our hour with, with no notes. And we, we, we covered a lot of TV and a, a, a very shallow dive into politics. I, we, we pulled off, we'll call it not like peak overtired. It's not, not, not one of our classic episodes. And you didn't get no. to have any really amazing rants about 90s teen uh soap stuff but i feel like we pulled off a classic episode of overtired i feel like i feel like we did too like this is this good like middle of the road this is like a very good like standard episode um <laughs> so all right i still need to watch woke you need to watch succession or the bow or something else do, do i have any other homework from you um 
remind me, I think I asked you last time, but did you see Modern Love? Yes. Okay. I, I would like to discuss at least episode three. Um, okay. At some point. Yes. But, okay. Uh, put that. We'll, we'll put that on, on on our list because I would very much like to talk about that too. I need to go back and and see. Remind myself what episode three was. But yeah, I really liked Modern Love. Woke isn't of like high importance. I thought it was a great show, and they did a really good job of talking about. It's about like a black guy in San Francisco, actually played by Winston from the New Girl. I like him, and he kind of goes through. He's a cartoonist writing very inoffensive milk toast cartoons, literally about toast, and <laughs> uh, goes through kind of an awakening after he's uh, uh, attacked by police and kind of begins to see the black plate from the inside. And he goes through a whole it's it's interesting and relevant, but it wasn't like uh, it wasn't so earth shattering that you have to watch this so if you get yes. a chance and you okay, have I'll, time, I'll check it out i'll check it out also have you seen penis uh on um uh, <laughs> pen Hulu? 15 yeah I, pen 15. I watched a couple episodes it didn't it didn't hook me okay because the second season just came out but if that and honestly that kind of makes sense like that is completely my shit because it is girls who are my age recreating like their teenage hoods yeah. like from when i was like it's it's great but yeah pin 15 or or, or or penis is uh <laughs> is is really good and or at least i think it's really good but i can understand why why that wouldn't be your thing okay i, I so, will admit it wasn't until after i saw those two episodes that i realized what pen 15 was like <sighs> that it, that it was penis how dude i just i wasn't tuned in in that way but it, like you didn't spell boobs on your calculator? Yes, boobs, but yeah, I just if a show came out right now named 80085, I don't know that I would see it as boobs. Like I'm kind of removed from the the TI uh <laughs> well congratulations on being an adult not all of us have, have gotten there. Congratulations, Brett, for being oh. for being mature. Yeah, rub it in. Yeah. All right. Well, all right. I hope you have a, a good week. We didn't even talk about what you're headed off to do. Oh, yeah. Uh, real quickly, just so people know, there's a great podcast called Again With This, uh, Beverly Hills 90210. And, and also, actually, now Melrose Place, because they got through 90210. And <laughs> Tara Ariano and Sarah Bunting, who created the website Television Without Pity, um, recap every single episode of Beverly Hills 90210, and they skewer it. And they just released a book about like the 100 greatest 90210 episodes. And there is an Austin uh, television uh, festival Zoom thing today around their book that uh, one of their former colleagues who now hosts the Pop Culture Happy Hour or whatever on NPR is hosting. And I got an invite to be an audience member, whatever the hell that means in in a virtual context. So You should be a panel member. I should be a panel member. This is completely <laughs> correct. Uh, you are 1000% correct, but I am not. They have no idea I exist, but I'm a big fan of their podcast. And funny story, you will appreciate this, Brett. I made Grant listen to it. I don't know how many years ago, but I made him listen to it when we were doing drives and whatnot. It would be like on my on my podcast. And then it got to the point he was like, hey, let's what was that podcast? Let's listen to that. And then he started <laughs> listening to it on its own. And he's still several years behind because they go through like every single episode. But he he's, you know, re-listening to old things. And uh, it's hilarious that like he became like a fan, like independent 
of like it went from it being a thing that he was like rolling his eyes about being forced to listen to to being something that he like actively seeks out. And when he saw that there was a book which came out this week and I saw the same thing, like I immediately ordered the um, like the the hardcover book so that we could have it. And then I also got it on Audible so we could listen to it. So, yeah. If you ever apply to be a guest or a co-host on a show like that, I will be your character witness. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that, uh, yeah, again, they have no idea who I am, but I'm, I'm a big fan of theirs. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, this is this is my pop culture 90s rant for the week is I'm, I'm literally going off to listen to people who got paid to do a podcast and um, now write a book about my favorite TV show from childhood. Well, I hope you have fun. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And hope that you have a good week. And uh, I will I will put woke on my list. And uh, next week will be a more normal episode. We'll both hopefully be well rested and back on our normal schedule. Well rested to record overtired. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, as yeah. well rested as, as we can be. Like, we have insomnia. That is sort of the, the thesis of the show. You, you, you know what you need to be well rested? What's that? Get some sleep, Christina. <laughs> Thank you, Brett. Get some sleep. The system is going down low. <laughs>